It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be, APR, zero deposit, and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. Very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We're delighted to have you with us this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you had a lovely bank holiday weekend. Just want to ask you a question before I start today. Uh, the 9th of August 1979, it was a Thursday. The 9th of August 1979, it'll be 40 years ago this Friday. And I want to throw something out to you today. Anybody born on the 9th of August 1979 that you know? Did anybody get married on that day that you know? Um, did somebody have a baby? You know, I'm talking about being born parents of a child from that day. Did anything significant happen on that day? I know it's a bit of a long shot, but if you're listening today, the 9th of August, 1979, if it's significant to you, you might let us know. 1850-715-958 or you can text or WhatsApp us on 086-1800-658 if that date is significant. It was a Thursday, the 9th of August, 1979. I'll tell you why. It's important to me and I will tell you why it's important as the week goes on. But if that date rings a bell, please do get in touch with us. I'd love to hear from you. It was a busy weekend, out and about, people enjoying the bank holiday, lots of sports events on. But there was a double for County Mead at the Liffey Swim over the weekend. Did you know this? Mark Hanley landed the men's title and not to be outdone, fellow county woman Sinead Delaney took the women's gong on the 100 staging of the famous annual event. And both of them are on the line with me now. I'll say good afternoon to you, Mark and Sinead. Hello to both of you. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Hi Mark. Thank you indeed for joining me. You obviously know one another at this stage, yes? Very well since Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I'll start with yourself first because I'm really grateful to get you today and for you to take my call. Congratulations to you, Mark. You're only 15 years of age. Are you the youngest winner or nearly the youngest winner? Oh, no, not quite the youngest winner. And Chalky White when, when he was 11. Oh, my word. You're a veteran at 15, Mark. <laughs> My, oh my, and Chalky White was a famous swimmer, uh, swimmer, I have to say. Well, congratulations to you. Is it true that you almost actually didn't make it into the race on Saturday? I nearly didn't get to swim because I didn't have enough qualifying races done to enter because of my junior shit and I was away with the Irish team for water polo. But thankfully, I got a wild card for my club to enter. How many races should you do to qualify? 
Oh, it was opened if you had 12 qualifying races done one week and then the following week for nine and the week after for six. Okay, and you... I had my six done. All right. I couldn't get in. (gasps) Their entries closed beforehand. Oh, no. So it dropped from 12 to nine to six and you still couldn't get there. So your club, you have to thank your club, North Dublin Swimming Club, is it? And they nominated you so you get in with a wild card. How many years have you swum uh, uh, this famous race? It's only my second year swimming this race. And you win it? Yeah. How did you finish last time? Was it last year you, you swam it first? Yeah. Where'd you come? Uh, I came 26th off a handicap of 9.15. Now, will you explain to listeners, and, and to me as well, what is this handicap? What does that mean? Um, the handicap is, so the faster swimming you are, the more time after go you leave. So I was 10 minutes after go this year and 9.15 minutes after go last year. You are a blimmin' good swimmer, we know that, and so is Sinead. So you have to wait for 10 minutes. So the race starts, and with no disrespect, but the slower swimmers go off first, and you have to stand there for 10 minutes before you, you're in the water. Yeah. And this course is what? It's 2.2 kilometres. How, how long did it take you to swim it to win it on Saturday? Oh, I don't know. The times aren't out yet. All right, but you were first... Five you, minutes. How long? In between 30 and 35 minutes. Okay, so, God, you have a lot of... I'm just trying to see work out in my head. 10-minute handicap, and that being the length of the race. You don't have much time to get to it and get by them all. And obviously then, at the end, you are first to cross the line. Yeah. Did you realise, you know, when did you pass the second-last swimmer, the guy that finished second? Uh, at O'Connell Bridge, but the finish is at the custom house. There's only uh, about 100 metres to go. <gasps> I can feel the excitement, Mark. I can feel it. <laughs> what a place to pass him at O'Connell Bridge, such a landmark. And yes, the finish line is at the Custom House as well. I, 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 were you in shock? Did you did you think you were in a chance of winning it, winning it realistically? Well, I was hoping I could win the under 25s prize, but mm. I really didn't think I was going to win it off 10 minutes mm. because I was 9.15 last year and I came 26th. So the difference in time going up, I didn't think I could win it. Well, 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 you did and won it well as uh, as well. You mentioned your junior said, where are you at school? Colossina Hinch in Laytown. Ah, wonderful school. I know it well from from the great debate. So you're anxiously waiting in a few weeks' time for your junior cert results? Yeah. Does it matter now after winning the Liffey Swim? Oh, my parents would be different. <laughs> I'm sure they would. And I think your dad is there close by listening to what we are saying here. Of course, they'll be hoping that you, you do your very best. But you are, you mentioned the, the, the national uh, polo team as well. You've been swimming since you were a tiny tot, yeah? Yeah, I've been swimming competitively since I was seven, but I've only started sea swimming last year. And, you know, when you're swimming down the Liffey on Saturday, was the wind with you or against you, or was there any wind at all? Oh, it wasn't really windy, but the tide was against us. Okay, so the tide was pushing in, full tide? Yeah. So that makes a difference, a tide coming in. Of course, it was flowing out, it helped you at the flow of the water. And and can an east wind, if the wind was blowing strong up the Liffey, that would impede you as well? Well, not really, because... The Liffey's kind of lower than the ground level. Oh, I see. So it's sheltered. Ah, I beg your pardon. So that you have that bit of shelter there as well. So it it doesn't make a difference. But the tide really does. So you're famous now after winning the Liffey Swim, Mark Hanley, at 15 years of age in the 100 year. That's some achievement. Thanks. And have you had lots of congratulations and contact, etc. since the weekend? They haven't stopped. Ah, great. That's why we're talking to you today as well. Is your dad with you there? Yeah, he is. He's just beside me. Hello. Hello, Dad. Hey, Jerry. How are things? Yeah, yeah Barry. How are you? Good to talk to you today. You must be so proud of this fella. 
Oh yeah, just absolutely over the moon for him, Jerry. He, um, to be honest with you, on the, the night beforehand, there's a WhatsApp group and uh, didn't think he had a chance at all. He thought we would be in with a chance for the under-25 section. Um, but off 10 minutes, going 10 minutes after the first guy, it was a, a big, big ask. Um, but look, we were hopeful. Um, but uh, just you know, realistically, when you look at the numbers, and like 10 minutes, 600 seconds, mm. um, you got to make that up. And uh, as well as that, because he was so far back, he had to navigate his way through a lot of swimmers to get up there. But um, a huge, huge uh, thank you goes out to the lads in North Dublin there because they sort of, um, I suppose, briefed him on tactics and what way to swim it. So uh, Mark's tactics were to swim on the right-hand side uh, up until the third bridge and then cross over onto the left-hand side because, as you know, the Liffey is uh, curved a little bit. Mm. Um, and because the tide is coming in, the biggest flow is going to be in at the centre, so you don't want to be swimming in the centre. Um, so swim at the sides the whole way through, and in fairness, the, uh, the North Dublin lads were, were really, really good especially Bernard, Stevie, you know, they uh, guided him on what way to go. So um, although Mark won it, it was a real club effort yeah. to, uh, to, to win it and get one of our swimmers across the line on the, uh, the 100. Terrific. Well done to everybody for getting right behind him. Where were you? He said he passed the, 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 the man who finished second around the uh, O'Connell Bridge. Where were you? Um, well, we were at the start. Um, obviously, <laughs> we were walking. Oh, we were walking up Did you know? As he's going through. Uh, yes and no, because we're following him, and it's very difficult to know where you, where he is in relation to all the other swimmers, because it's easy to see who's ahead of you, but yeah. you've got faster swimmers coming behind you trying to catch you up. So, like, when you're in the water, as Mark would say, yeah, you're going hell for leather straight down, and I know a couple of people are saying, oh, look, he's doing backstroke, but it's not backstroke. What you're doing is you're taking a look behind you to see who's coming up behind mm. you, if you know what I mean. Mm. But... Um, yeah, he, he made good uh, progress the whole way down. I thought he'd started off a bit too fast, like 2.2 kilometres is, uh, is a long enough swim. Mm. So you need to pace yourself. And he flew for the first kilometre, maybe kilometre and a half. And I thought, oh, he's going to blow up now, you know, having gotten so close to the top. But he kept going and he was very fortunate because there may be 10, 15 swimmers going off every 15 seconds. Quite often they swim in a line beside each other. So if you're coming up behind them, it's very difficult to pass around them. But in fairness to him, he found the gaps in between them, um, went through and kept on going. And I suppose as he was approaching O'Connell Bridge, he was in fifth place, I think it was, behind a bank of four. And we're standing on the South Keys looking um, at him there, thinking, oh, will he get by these? And we lost him. We, we couldn't see him. And then about maybe 5, 10, 15 seconds later, He'd gone gone from fifth to second, but there was still another 15, 20 metres to go to catch up on the second place man, Billy Kyo. And we were we were hopeful, but like because he'd put so much effort in at the the start of the race, you know, the nerves were there. Um, can he do it? Can he do it? Um, so we we're running along the keys, saying, "Go on, Mark! Go on, Mark!" And in fairness to uh, a couple of the uh, lads that he plays polos with and swimmers who weren't in the competition. Um, they were warring for him as well. So all of a sudden, there's our, myself and my wife, Hilary. You have all the um, other Clontarf kids. And then, um, you know, as we're getting closer and closer, everybody's roaring for Mark. And it's on the loud, loud hailer. And all the other parents that's from North Dublin that were there as well uh, were cheering him on. So there was a good old buzz for, um, 
by the time we got up to the finish. We nearly didn't get to the finish, though, because they had the area screened off. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they let us through. Oh, fantastic, fantastic story. Well, look, at congratulations to you all, and especially to Mark. It's a wonderful achievement on the 100th year, and I'm going to let you go there because I have Sinead Delaney, the other half of the Mead success, hanging on the line waiting for me. Thank you so much, Barry, for taking our call today. And again, well done to Mark. You're very welcome. Take Thank care, you. Barry. Take care now. Bye-bye. 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 Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She's listening to you there, and we're going to be talking to her in a moment. Thanks indeed, Barry. Take care of yourself. Sinead Delaney, hello. I'm good, Jerry. How are you? Oh, my God, you must be really good. You're listening to Mark Hanley's story there. What an unbelievable weekend this was for the, for County Meath and for both of you. God almighty, in the 100 year to have two people from the one county. How long are you swimming this uh, famous Liffey swim? So I first did it in 1994. So it was 25 years ago. I was 13 is when I started. So a long time waiting. <laughs> it's a while ago and you've swum it quite a number of times over the years. Have you ever been this close? Uh, I actually came eighth last year. Right. So that was the best position. And I, this year I was hoping for another top 10 finish. So it was absolutely overwhelmed to win it now. Now, you heard about the tactics there that Barry, uh, Mark's dad, was telling us about, you know, swimming to the side, uh, you know, one side of the river on the on the left hand side, on the right first, and then on the left of the river. Had you a, a tactical race like that planned? I didn't. Now, we'd always, we'd always try and stay to the left-hand side of the river. Absolutely. I think most swimmers would do that also. And it's easier to stay on the left. You don't get caught up in the crowds than, you know, if you're swimming in the centre of the Liffey. So, no, my tactics were really to try and catch my mom. My mom was on a two-minute handicap, so I was out to try and catch her, and I thought if I could see her in my sights, I knew I was the top ten, so that was my tactic. What was, <laughs> Sorry, your, uh, what was your handicap? Mine was 5.15. So you had to wait that. Now, we have to mention your mammy, Joan, because she came eighth, at which you, the position you came in last year, and got the Masters Prize for over 50s. She's some woman. She's absolutely fantastic. She's an inspiration. She really is. She won the Masters Prize. So that's the first lady in over 50. Um, yeah, she's just fantastic. She's a phenomenal swimmer. She trains every week. She's fantastic. She's what everyone should aspire to be, you know. Mm. Great. Absolutely great. And we congratulate her as well. It's nearly a treble for me, I should be saying, with that Masters win for your mammy as well. We should have had her with us. But here, let me come back to the race itself. You know, you heard Mark, he got to O'Connell Bridge and finally got by the lad who was second and he went on to win it. What way did it pan out towards the finish for you? Because I know you had a big hitter on your heels. Sarah Keane, CEO of Swim Ireland and head of the Olympic Council of Ireland was second. Absolutely, and I knew she was coming behind me too. Um, I got to the Haypenny Bridge, I think it was, and I passed out Catherine Fenton, who's an excellent swimmer, and my mom. And I was in the lead then, um, but I knew the likes of Sarah Keane and Eve Bergen were coming close behind me. So it was a very hard race, I have to say, Jerry. and I don't think I enjoyed a second of it, to be honest with you. Now. But uh, yeah, I just kept the head down and kept on going, knowing they were coming. But thankfully, I got across the line before they caught up or I blew up myself. The tide, was that a factor as well? Mark was saying it there to me, that with an incoming tide, it's more difficult. I know the water is pushing up towards you, and that's an impediment. Absolutely. It was a very, very hard swim. Uh, The Liffey swim is normally on later in the day, so you're talking three or four in the afternoon. So the tide is normally on its way back out. But because it was an earlier start, the tide was against us the whole way. 
and you can feel it when you're in the water. In fact, you can see it like once you pass, once I passed the Haypenny Bridge, I thought O'Connell Bridge was just getting further away. You know, it, it, it was a very, very tough swim for all who completed it. I mean, it was a fantastic achievement for everyone involved. The water quality was in question right up to the 11th hour with this swim. How was it to be in there and do this? Yeah, it was actually okay now. There was a, a lot of seaweed about, but it was it was fine. I mean, there was nothing else bar seaweed, so it was fine. There was no smell. It was it was lovely. I'd say the water conditions were similar to previous years. Yeah, and I haven't heard anyone being sick or anything since, so <laughs> we're all okay. <laughs> Everyone's well. It might, might be safer than drinking the water from the bottles in certain supermarkets. Anyway, we'll leave that aside for a minute. You were safer in the Liffey, I'm sure. Um <laughs> Let, let, let me ask you this. Um, you, you know, you, you, you win at this year. T- to win this event in the 100 year again to you, it must be really, really special. Yeah, it's it's very surreal, actually. And it's really only sinking in and in the last day or two. I suppose the weekend, you get carried away with the hype. But I suppose it's today now you're back to work and your colleagues, you know, are patting you on the back. And it's really only sinking in the magnitude of it. Um, I'm just delighted. I mean, everyone swims the Liffey and hopes one day it might be them, you know, and I'm really honoured and I'm really humbled that I won it this year. I know what a privilege it is and I'm over the moon. I'm absolutely over the moon. What stroke uh, do you prefer as your preferred or what stroke did you swim this event? A front crawl. Right, okay, and yeah, that's that's yeah. the one you, you use all the time. I know you, you've, swim, you've swum other strokes in the past as well. Um yeah. Water polo, swimming, this uh, open sea swimming. My God, this is in your veins and I know it comes from your mam as well. Yeah, you you yeah. train hard. You're a member of the Phoenix Club. I am a member of the Phoenix Club, yes. Now, I, I, I don't play polo anymore. I played that up until about 2009. But uh, yeah, open sea swimming during the summer. It starts in May and finishes around the end of September. So I partake in that during the summer months. Um, and it's fantastic. And Mark is an inspiration for all the younger children coming in to take part in it you know they're more than capable of doing it and it's a really enjoyable family occasion every weekend as regards swimming training then I do try and train two or three times a week obviously depending on work commitments and family commitments also but I do try and get into the pool now twice or three times a week you are such dedicated people and it's really tough like it's a physically tough sport you need to be fit I'm sure you need to eat well eat well you need your rest it takes everything does it to you know to do this it does, and it's a fantastic sport. You know, unlike other sports that put pressures on your joints and whatever, swimming is a great aerobic fitness. It's, it's, it's a great sport, absolutely fantastic. And it's a great, as I said, it's a great family. They're great family days out as well. You know, you can bring everyone with you and bring your picnic and whatever and bring Jack and Emily there and they'll put on their wetsuits and jump into the sea. It's super. It's absolutely super. They're your children. They must have been chuffed for Mammy. They are, and I'd like to say hello because I know they're at home listening. So hi, Jack and Emily. <laughs> they actually missed the race on Saturday. For the, they've both been up and down that Liffey since they were six months old. I mean, they've been at every single one of my races. And this year, unfortunately, they went to Exford with the family because like that, I didn't think I was in with a chance of winning it. So they went down to Exford with uh, my um, sister-in-law, Ashling Scully, and all the nieces, and they went down. So I'd like to give a big shout-out to them, because they're my number one supporters, and uh, I was sorry they missed the day, but they've seen the news clippings and the reports, so I think they're proud.
and you have the cup the silverware to prove it as well (laughs) anyway look thank you so much I appreciate you taking our call today and I want to say again congratulations to Mark Hanley 15 years of age from Leitown men's senior champion Sinead Delaney a Meath woman and our first ever victory in the swim and to our mum Joan who won the Masters as well congratulations Joan well done to all of you and can I just say one other thing before I leave I'd like to say a huge thank you to the sponsors Jones Engineering they have brought this event on and leaps and bounds over the last number of years with the publicity and the time they've invested into it so I'd like to say a huge thank you to them for all the work they've done in relation to the Liffey Swim. And they've done a great job to bring it to the fore and it couldn't happen without them, I know that as well. Anyway Sinead, well done, enjoy and wallow in your success and delighted to talk to you all today. Take care. Thank you very much Jerry. Not at all, bye bye. That's Sinead Delaney there winner of the Liffey Swim from County Mead. Earlier, Mark Hanley we spoke to who won the men's. He's only 15 and his dad Barry joined us as well. And again I mentioned too, Sinead's uh, mum, Joan, who won the Masters there. What a weekend for swimming in County Mead. I did touch on it there Louise. It's back to the tap for the, for H2O. For you? Yes, for me, for sure. I bought some on Saturday morning, those bottles of water from some of the supermarkets. I dumped everything. Did you? Hmm. I don't know. Every just, single drop. I don't think they would have been so selling the Monsanto more and they weren't sure they were the good batch. Well, maybe so. But anyway, they issued the warning from the Food Safety Authority late last week and uh, they warned people, look, if they wouldn't damage your health imminently and you'd have to consume a lot of it. But arsenic levels shouldn't be, you know, unusually high in water. Anyway... Just a little story. I was actually going to ask listeners, I've been boiling water in my kettle and it is the bottled water, but the water when you boil it is a, a cloudy colour and there's always a residue left in your cup. Now, this is from this bottled water, I'm telling you. Is right? that because it's from the natural springs? I don't know what it is. But anyway, I've had a problem with it and it's a blimmin' nuisance. Went to the tap after we dumped the rest, put the tap water into the kettle and been boiling it ever since. There's not a sign of residue. Now, we have hard water, I know, in our area. Mm. But over the last few days, there is no... It's clear, crystal clear when you boil the tap water and no residue in your cup. And does the tea taste any different? It tastes grand, so it does. And I went off it for a while because of the, what's added to the water. But I'm back to the tap water now. And to be honest with you, it's made me think. And I would just wonder, has anybody else experienced that with bottled water? Boiling it, it's cloudy and there's a residue in your cup. If you have anything to say about it, I'd be curious, to be honest with you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Let us know. Maybe it's just us. Maybe it's just me. Anyway, the tap is clear. <laughs> do you buy bottled water? Do you normally? I do. And I know I shouldn't, but yeah, mm. I do. Because I just, I think it's handier if you're just going out just to grab it and drink. But... Mm. You know, I have a well supply as well. I mean, I think arsenic is... Oh, listen. Well, you're connected to a well, a local supply. You should be using that all the time. You shouldn't be buying water at all. The reason we started was because of the taste of the the tack on the water. You know, it's treated through uh, filtration systems. Was there a horrible taste? And there was. There's a taste of water. You know what I mean? They, they, They purify it, but there's stuff you needed in purifying it as well. And they had, what do you call that stuff they put in? Fluoride, is it? Yeah. Fluoride in a water as well. Good for your teeth. Have a look at these teeth. I'm drinking it for years. Seemingly too much sweet stuff with sugar in it. You would late launch LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon, after news and weather at two. We'll be joined by Anthony Gilsonen from Kalua Castle. We'll meet Tracy on our travels. Uh, uh, We'll have a feature with the Loudmead Education Training Board each day this week ahead of the Leaving Cert results next week. And we'll be going to the United States, those unbelievable mass shootings at the weekend. Heading in towards news and weather at two with you too.
Late lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. If you're ever down Meathway, heading into West Meath, and you go through Clonmelin and get into the vicinity of Ballinlock, there's a beautiful castle. It's called Kalua Castle. And it was acquired by Alan and Lorena Krause back in 1999. And it's been a work in progress ever since. I'm joined on late lunch today by Anthony Gilsnan, and he's the farm manager at Kalua Castle. Anthony, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today. 1999... 2019, it's a few years ago at this stage, and you've brought in a beautiful brochure to me just before we uh, came on here, air here. Um, it, it looks magnificent. Is it complete? Is the restoration done? We're about two and a half years from finishing the restoration. The grounds are a work in progress at the moment. He bought the castle, um, as you say, all those years ago with about an acre of land around it. And in two years ago, he purchased the le- the rest of the land around the estate. Um, so we're farming approximately 250 acres of land there now. Um, he introduced some red deer going back about six, seven years ago. So we're up to a commercial herd now of red deer, which we process ourselves. And we have 360 sheep on the estate now as well. So it's it's a work in progress. It's a, a fully fledged working farm as well as being a, an ancient castle and estate. Exactly. We're actually four weeks away from turning the sod on our own processing unit as well. So everything from the estate will be processed and sold from Kilua Castle. The grounds, there are a few small lakes on the grounds, yes? Yes, we've, there was one original lake that they excavated again that had filled in over the years. Um, that one is done, that's done about six, seven years. And over the last two years, we've put in three more lakes around the estate as well. Tree planting, I know that's a big passion of yours and theirs as well. That's yes. been ongoing, yeah? Ongoing for the last couple of years and this year now we've planted about two and a half thousand trees in different plantations around it. We've also planted in a bee habitat, a wildlife habitat, with approximately 9,000 plants. And the whole eco-movement that we're hearing about, that we all need to buy more into on this planet of ours, this is a big philosophy uh, of the owners of the castle as well. It is, yeah, because as it stands, the castle itself, the fact it was a ruin, they had a little bit of freedom to do different things. Um, So it's geothermal that's heating it. Um, some of the old buildings that's around I could see even on that brochure that I gave you have the roof we took it off there a couple of weeks ago um, that's been rebuilt at the moment and that's going to be done with solar panels so by Christmas the castle actually will be generating all its own power Terrific How do you come to be there and how long are you the farm manager? I'm there now two years um, I got a phone call out of the blue from Alan approximately two years ago to go and meet him um, often passed by the castle and was amazed with the building and he just introduced himself and I'm there since. What did you do before this? Um, farming, but I was also in the meat industry as well, um, trained as a butcher through Togask and Ashtown. And so it's a little bit of the background suits for Kilua from the farming end plus the the butchering end now that we can process everything from the castle so that hand to many pies Ah you see you had what he wanted and it was a match made in heaven now tell me about the red deer that they introduced how large is the herd that's there? We have approximately 200 deer now at the moment between calves adults and everything they're calving at the moment 
um, almost finished. So we have 200 deer at the moment in on the castle. And what's the idea to breed, that they'll breed each year and then that you'll cull and keep a resident herd and, and you know, do that each year? Is that There's the plan? a resident herd of approximately 80 adults, um, which was there. There was a deer park there in the 1760s. Right. So as Alan bought different pieces of land around the castle um, over the last couple of years, part of that was the original deer park of Killua. Mm. So it gave him the idea of introducing deer back to the to the ground. Some of the original walls and all of that deer park are still there. So um, he brought in some um, stags from Britain and the rest of the um, females from Northern Ireland. So they were, they're bred for their heads. So if you're ever out that way, it's just a magnificent animals to look at. Mm. I was looking at pictures of some of the stags and that and the antlers on them. They're incredible. Here's a question for you. 250 acres. Can you keep them within the confines of the estate? They're devils to roam like. We have an area fenced off for them. They're, they're parkland deer. Um, so we have six foot high fences all around the area for them. Um, we get them in once a year mm. to wean the calves. That's it. They have the run of it apart from that. They have the run of their own areas, yes. Mm. And in, in, is there enough, like in the, in the terms of the herd and uh, the animals you'll slaughter each year and bring to butchering and process them through your new facility there to make this viable year round or will it be seasonal? It's the fact that they're parkland, it's not seasonal because we can basically cull them all year round. But the fact that we have sheep now as well, and we're also going to go into rare breed cattle, which will be the Dexters and the Irish Miles as well. We're starting to purchase them at the moment. So we're going to have, it'll be all rare breed orientated, but the beef and the, and the deer, the sheep, maybe more so commercialised but maybe try and introduce more rare breeds as we can going along to put through the processing units. And do you brand this as Kahlua Venison? Kahlua Castle Foods. Right, so that's the umbrella for the whole lot. Is there big demand for venison? Yes. Um, A lot of people it's a very healthy meat, it's high in protein and low in fat. We have a lot of bodybuilders actually are big into the venison now. We do a market in Dublin on a Saturday called Honest to Goodness, where we, at this time of the year, is the only place we actually sell our meat. It can be also bought online through the castle, but a lot of bodybuilders come in for their um, venison. Is that in Glasnevin? Yes. Oh, yes. It's a very famous market that happens there. It's going 10 years now at the moment. Yeah, Yeah. there's a great range. So you go there, and that's the way, that's your outlet to the public at the moment. The outlet to the public, if someone wants to get it also, Thomas Doherty and Kells does stock it during the winter months. This time of the year, if someone wants it, they can go in and order it and we'll have it with them that week. Or they can also buy it online through the castle. And are you happy with those routes to market? Have you enough there or will you be looking to, you know, open up new ones? At the moment, it suits for what we have because we were only processing one day a week with, in a small way. Now that we have our own processing unit coming online, then we're going to go more mainstream at that stage. The history of this place, you mentioned back to the 1700s when this place originally uh, uh, took a life and look at it today, almost restored just two years away. What's the connection with Sir Walter Raleigh? Um, The estate belonged to a family called Chapman and he was, uh, they were cousins of Sir Walter Raleigh. So the story is that the first potatoes in Ireland were actually planted in Kalua. Really? Yes. Now, whether it's 
<laughs> a work of fiction or not, I don't know. You heard it first on Late Lunch this afternoon. Don't mind what you read in the history book. So Walter Raleigh and Kalua Castle is where it all began. The first buds. That's what they say. Would there be a, a wanting you to grow a few now? I don't know. I think I just have enough to do at the moment without going into market gardening as I'm well. I'm trying to give you more, more work and spuds and blight and everything that goes with it and, and growing rare varieties. But you never know in the future because there is a plaque and it is recalled down there. Oh yeah, there the is estate? an obelisk on the estate in his memory, yes. Yeah, so it's another real uh, plus point for the place, isn't it? Yes, and of course we have one other very famous person um, related to the castle, which is Lawrence of Arabia. And what's that connection? His family was the Chapman family. So even though he never lived in it, his ancestors came from um, Kilua. This country of ours never ceases to amaze me. The connections that we come up with and that we find down the road. But that's another famous name as well in the annals of, of history. You know, I know the owners aren't here with me today, Alan and uh, Lorena, but... You know, this has been a long commitment for them, hasn't it, from 1999 to today. Do you feel just that this is just, do they feel, I know you'll be talking on their behalf whether you can or not, that they're nearly there, or are you ever there with something like this? It's it's a lifetime's work. It'll, it'll never be finished. It'll You know, there's always something to be done in a, in a place like Kilua, but, like, it's its passion. That's all he ever wanted. Like he's he's does so much for the community in the in around Clonmelon, um, but the castle it's fabulous the way he's developed it. Even the walks through the castle and everything yes. now for the public. He came to Ireland, Mexico originally from via London to here. Did he ever tell you why he 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 got involved here or why he bought it? Because it was a ruin when he saw it. It was he was on holidays in Ireland and he just was going by Kilua. Um, walked in with his daughter, um, met the owners and uh, just went down a hole into the basements and they had to lift the little girl up to stop her getting stuck in the mud and he just went home and told his wife I'm buying a castle in Ireland. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> and the As rest is history. Do. And here we are today and this about to take off even in a new guise again. Back to the red deer, the majestic, you know, when you see the males with the antlers and the females as, as well. In a year, how many offspring would, would a female deer have? One. Just the one Just in the, the year. one. Yeah. So, you know, it's quite limited. In, it's in it's quite limited. Like, they're, they are a wild animal. Mm. Um, you know, they, they have them, you, they're about um, three weeks old before you see them. If you ask me in the morning how many calves we have, I actually couldn't tell you. Um, it's only in November when we get them in and we can try and do a head count on them. They're a wild animal, but they're but they're majestic. And they're shy as well, aren't they? I've come across them in my times, you know, you just meet them. There are some around here, I live on the north side of Drogheda, and at times you'll come across them, rarely, but they're shy type of creatures. Yeah, yeah. But but they're, um, the whole thing with them is, in the rotten season, that's when they're, you know, you just have to watch the males. But mm. this time of the year, you know, they just, they keep to themselves and... Yes. You know. Biodiversity, I come back to that again, is so important for you all there because besides what you mentioned there, you mentioned the bees, you know, trying to help yes. uh, them, a species that's in trouble as well. But there's plenty of other animals on the estate, yeah? Oh, yeah, we have um, cattle. Um, we have some Dexters at the moment. I've, after just purchasing some Irish miles, they're going to be in the estate by next week. Um, we have miniature American horses. We have Kerry bog ponies. 
And we're also working in a conservation project with the Old Irish Goat Society down in Mulrani. Mm. Um, so we have 14 um, goats now from Mulrani in the wall gardens in Killua. Um, we're the first estate outside um, Mulrani to actually have them. Do you ever see a day when it opens up to the public or is it open to the public? It is open to the public. It? It's open every Saturday um, to the public, the grounds and the castle by appointment. And during the week also that people by appointment can come in and view the castle, the parts that are finished. But there is walkways through the ground that people can go on at any stage. Sounds fascinating. You know, it is. It, it is open to the public all the time. And they just contact Kalua Castle? Yes. Uh, or just Castle. show up on the com. but on a Saturday the grounds are open but if you just phone in advance just to make sure that the family are there that there's someone that can bring you around if you want to view the inside of the castle and here we are summer months still plenty of holidays to go from school what a nice treat that would be to go and visit and see somewhere different and a range of animals there as well you're happy in your you know what, in your job. Yes. Yes, it's, I don't find it a job. <laughs> I, I look at you and I just you know, see that, the contentment. Yeah. Ah, it's great, isn't it? Great to say that you love something that you actually work at. It's, uh, it's the dream for everybody. Wanted to just talk to you today, have a chat about the place, bring it to our listeners. Kalua Castle, it's around Clonmelon, uh, Ballinlock area on the Mead, West Mead, Mead borders. borders. You yes. can get it there very easily. I know it well because I travel by it all the time when I'm going fishing west. Uh, wish you well and I want to wish the Krauss family, Alan and Lorena and the family, all the very best indeed. And thank you for joining thank us Thank you the very show, much Alan. for having us. Been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, we are featuring Tracy's travels on late lunch for the month of August. Yes, Tracy Hanby, she set off last week on a month-long tour of Ireland with our daughter, Cloda. We talked to her on the first day she was in Wexford and she's been moving round the south of Ireland since and she's on the line with me. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Jerry. Hold on there a second. This is just for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. I had to even leave the little kiss in at the end. Is that Kylie Minogue? It is Kylie, just for you. Happy birthday, young one. Thank you very, very much. I'm, I'm clocking up the digits now, Jerry. Oh, sure, look, aren't we all? We're all headed in the one direction. You're no exception. Any plans for the day for yourself in Cloda? Oh, so we, we had Independence Music Festival at the weekend, which was incredible. And then we headed to Cork for the night last night. We stayed in the Radisson, amazing hotel, amazing pool. I had a birthday body scrub and facial. And now we're en route to Killarney. Oh, wonderful. Haven't you two got the life? Tell me about the Blarney Stone. How did it go? You kissed it. I kissed the Blarney Stone yesterday and surprisingly so did Clodagh. Clodagh did not want to do that. She was like, how can you kiss something that loads of people have kissed? (laughs) So she found that a bit gross. (laughs) But she did it. And it was fantastic. We had gas crack there. It's a typically typically Irish thing to do, isn't it? It is. And you know when they, I, I've done it myself. When they, you go backwards and they hold you. you know what I mean, I know. For, for that moment, you just think, oh my god. 
And I tell you, it's some long way down. It's a hell of a drop, but nobody's made it. Let us just tell everybody mm. that. Nobody very has safe. so far, and they, they won't. It's very, very safe. Anyway, you could talk before this. God help us now. <laughs> so did you hear about independence? No, go on. So Clodagh got a big shout-out from the top of the stage from Lewis Capaldi. <gasps> really? And he sung a song to her. No way. And then he sent down the set list to her. Ah, uh, wasn't that extra special? Is she there beside you? She is, yeah. Do you want to put say her, hello to her? Put her on, yeah. Put her on, put her on. Hello. Hello, Clodagh. Lewis Capaldi and you. Best buddies? I don't know about that. <laughs> Was he fantastic? Yeah, definitely. What about the stone? You know, you kissed the Blarney stone as well. Were you really worried? I wasn't worried, I just didn't want to. But you did it? I did do it. Now, tell me this. You started off in Wexford, uh, into Waterford, onto Cork, heading for Kerry now. How are you getting on with your mum? That's good. No more. No, no. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How much rows? Only two rows so far. <laughs> <laughs> but mammies and Doras have to fight Clody. Do you know that? I do know that. That's part I, of... I know that from experience. <laughs> God, you are learning fast for sure. What was the best bit so far in the, the first week that you've been away? Mm, well, I'd have to say Lewis Capaldi giving me, a, a, dedicating a song to me. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, it'd have to be, wouldn't it? It really would yeah. have to be. It would. Were you in a tent one night? Did I see you camping somewhere? Yeah, um, what night? <laughs> we were camping. Camped in Wexford. Yeah, we camped in. And yeah, we camped in Independence as well. Do you like Do you like camping or would you prefer the Radisson Blue that you stayed in last night? Oh, God. Um, I love the camping because it's so rustic, but I also love 
being glammed up in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, you have to love the hotel and all that goes along with that as well. Put me back yeah. to your mammy and, and stay with her. You will be beside her for a, a couple more moments because I have something yeah. for you. Put me back to mam there a second. Nice to talk to you, Cloda. Oh, she's gas, isn't she? Uh, isn't she's got the blarney, as you can see. <laughs> she's got the gab now herself. <laughs> she, she has. We well, is nearly blown away the night in the tent. So yeah, uh, in Wexford we had a really windy night and at about 12 midnight I said, you know what, Clodagh, we're getting out of this tent and we're going into the car and it was a brilliant move because not only was the wind but the noise, you know, you just couldn't sleep. So we got into the car and that's it, lights out and we were grand. So yeah, that's the one night now where I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know about this camping thing. (laughs) You're going to experience it all and you're only into your first week. Three more weeks to go. So you've covered Wexford, Waterford, Cork. Where are you heading now? So we're going to visit Killarney uh, National Park en route to Dingle. Lovely. Mm. And then tomorrow I hope to rent bikes. We were going to bring our bikes, but it was a long old journey to be bringing bikes and minding them. Um, so we're going to rent bikes tomorrow and cycle all around Dingle itself. Lovely. And then the following day we leave to go to uh, the Burren and Claude is mad to get a photo outside Father Ted's house. Oh, That's her mission. Yes, you have to go and see that and uh, look at where that classic series, you know, was shot and the image from it as well. So all's well so far, going along nicely. Well, money will run out, but hey, I don't mind. I'm sure we'll find some way to survive. You are the most resourceful woman I know, and you will, of course. And listen, have a lovely birthday, and we'll talk next week. We're going to keep touch with you. Is that okay? And we'll oh, that's see absolutely fantastic. How, how you Thank get you on. very much. No, not at all. And especially for the young woman herself, for her having got the personal play. Sure, we have to do it here. Here's Lewis Capaldi. And someone you loved just for your clothes. Talk to you about next week. Take care. Bye, Dad. Bye. Bye. L-M-F-M I'm going on during this time. I feel there's no one to save me. This all and nothing really got away. You're driving me crazy. I need somebody to hear, somebody to know, somebody to have, somebody to hold. It's easy to say, but it's never the same. I guess I kinda like the way you know all the pain. Now the day bleeds into nightfall, and you're not here to get me through it all. I let my go. This day week, the wait will be over for students who sat their leaving certificate this year. What do points mean? I'm not Bruce Forsyth. Places in college for sure, but there are many other options available. And once again this year on late lunch, we're teaming up with the people from the Loudmead Education Training Board each day this week to highlight alternatives to mainstream universities, colleges and institutes of further education. Today I'm joined by Elma McMahon and Sadie Ward-McDermott from the Loudmead Education Training Board. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. Great thank to you, see Jerry. you. Thank, thank you for joining us. Uh, Elma, thank you so much 
much for pulling this afoot again this year and we're delighted to do it on LMFM Radio. Just remind listeners again about LMETB, who you are and what you do. Okay, well, LMETB, we're the local statutory education and training authority, okay? So we've got the responsibility for education and training in County Mead. We're made up of... we've twenty. loud and loud and we've got 21 <laughs> schools 18 post-primaries 3 community national schools we've got training colleges and PLC colleges so we're very busy So you're extensive across both counties yeah. and you're ready and waiting to accept an influx of people with the new academic year starting. The leave insert is a week away. It's a yeah. big day and, you know, nerves are starting to jangle in homes and that. What do you say to people, you know, with the, the day approaching this day week? Well, I mean, the day it's it's coming out a day early. It's on Tuesday of next week that the results are coming out and we've put together a good programme of events that's going to kind of talk us through what's going to happen and other options you have. But like you say yourself, it's all about the leave insert this week, all about the leave insert next week and people talk about the weather forecasts and everything everybody is concerned about that but there are other options and that's what we're here to think don't panic too much what do you make of the leaving cert per se just in a general sense as you know a point in time and an assessment of an individual is there a better way well, I mean, it's the way that we have at the moment. And I did my leave insert in the 1990s and it was very different then. You basically had to go to college or thing and that's what you went to do. Whereas now there's so many other options and people realise that there is other ways and alternative ways and second chances to get into everywhere. Like, you know, so I think the system is probably fairer now that people, it might take a little bit longer to get what you want to do, but the journey is sometimes it's worth the wait. And you are going to hear this over the next week and beyond it's a point in time yeah. the pressure is big and we don't underestimate no, that for anybody no we don't anybody. and I mean it's just like you know it's not just the pressure on the young people it's the mammies and the daddies who've been praying and thinking and CEO application and teachers it involves everybody and it, it's not to be dismissed that it's, it's just a leave insert it is a point in time but it's an important point in time and we just tell everyone to just take a deep breath because it doesn't define what you are or what you're going to be it's very important to say that and remember it so this week on the show starting today with yourself and Sadie and then carrying on tomorrow uh, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday we're going to be covering just give us a feel or listen okay. to feel for what will be happening well, today we've got Sadie Ward-McDermott Sadie is the Director for Further Education and Training for Loud Me- and Mead Education Training Board so she's going to tell us what's happening on an overview in the in the, the whole um, LMETB Wednesday so tomorrow is going to be a very good day we've got John Halpin who's the Principal of St Oliver's and he's going St Oliver's Community College here in Drogheda and he's going to say what you can expect what's going to happen on the day how it comes through the internet what the teachers will be offering on the day and it'll be the same for all the schools and then we've got two pupils we've got Aoife Halpin and we've got Emma Lochran Aoife was a pupil in St Oliver's last year and she's gone on to university doing primary school teaching and Emma Lochran was in Green Hills and she's gone the four the education and training route through Diffie and she's doing the pre-university course in law heading to college and she'll tell us all about that. Then on Thursday we've got Tony Smith who's my colleague in the Regional Skills and Training Centre and he's going to be talking about apprenticeship. Apprenticeship is the big buzzword at the moment and everybody's talking about the number of people in apprenticeship so he's going to be talking about the traditional craft apprenticeships and the apprenticeships, the new apprenticeships that are coming on stream. And then We've got Eilish Coyne. She's from the Adult Guidance Service. So um, she'll be able to tell us like what the options are, 
what you can do and, and numbers that you can call if you need help. In all of the schools, we would tell people if you've done your leaving search through a school, there will be adult or there will be a guidance service in the school and to contact the, the, the schools if you need more help. But Eilish is there as an adult if you need help after that. And then on Friday, we've got Dennis Leonard. Dennis is um, the director of the Dunboyne Further, College of Further Education. So he'll be just talking about um, FET options in Dunboyne, but he'll also touch on what's happening in O'Fee College and Diffie here in Drogheda. And then we've also got Bernie McEvitt and she'll be talking about the overview of the programmes that are in the Regional Skills and Training Centre. Okay, so there's lots there to mull over and great information to uh, to be passed out here on Late Lunch each day at 2.30 this week ahead of Leaving Cert results next Tuesday. I want to welcome to the show Sadie Ward-McDermott. Great to see you, Sadie. Thank you for joining us on the show today. I suppose, you know, with the results coming out next week, there's a lot of focus on college, but... There's a huge element of options that you have. That's correct, Jerry. And thanks very much for the opportunity to be here this afternoon. Um, I, I suppose just, just to address both young people and their parents, guardians, um, as you said, next week it, it is a traumatic week for a lot of people, a lot of expectation and a lot of hope. And sometimes that met, that's met and sometimes things just don't always fall as you would like. And as you said, there are many opportunities available. For our young people, I would suggest that the the main point of contact for ourselves will be the Adult Guidance and Information Service. And there will be contact details available on LMFM in regards to that rather than calling out numbers or email addresses just at this point. So that's our central point of contact. But, But what's available for our young people? So going directly to college isn't always the best option. And it's not always the option that presents immediately. So what we would suggest for people who are currently going through or waiting on leaving certificate results, that they would also consider opportunities in our post-leaving certificate courses and also in our apprenticeship and traineeship programmes. All of these offer a huge array of courses and options with various levels of subject areas being covered. Apprenticeships and traineeships have come very much to the fore in the last number of years. Uh, We'd all be very familiar with craft-based apprenticeships, the electrical, the carpentry and so on. But in the last two to three years, apprenticeship programmes now have widened and we're talking about an array of apprenticeships, new apprenticeship programmes, which which offer a variety of different options in things like accountancy, in insurance, and all of those are available through LMETB as well. And they are for people who are stepping out of leaving certificate type programmes and they are available for people to apply for. The the opportunities with apprenticeship and traineeship is that it's an opportunity to both learn on the job and to also gain um, an allowance, a training allowance whilst you're doing that. And, and the number of years, the duration will vary depending on the course that you're taking on. It could be one, two or indeed four years, dependent on the course that, that you choose. Our PLC programmes, and we have three PLC colleges, one in Dunboyne, one in Dundalk, one in Drogheda, they offer to our community in excess of 4,000 places on an annual basis. And they're very highly subscribed. And we have a very good website in each of those colleges. And I would say to parents or to young people, have a look at the website. See what opportunities are available there. And to make application, 
it's really important if you haven't done that to look at your options. And as Elmer outlined, tomorrow we've got two young people, one of whom took the PLC route, didn't go directly into college, and and you'll hear firsthand what her experience of that was. But what I would say is that we're finding an increasing number of young people, even when they do get offered a, a place in college, they're not exactly sure maybe if it's the right thing, if it is what they wanted, and maybe for them finances at home or circumstances may not allow them to go directly to college. Now, if that's the case, PLC may be an opportunity for them to explore pre-apprenticeship or pre-university type programmes where they get a chance to increase their own personal self-confidence. They they are very well skilled at the end of the year in terms of their actual skills for surviving at college. As we know, the dropout rate of college can be quite high. Young people leave Leaving Cert, they're not always ready for, for what college life will throw at them. There's a lot of really self-directed learning. There's nobody telling you to go home and do your homework. There's no parent there to say, have you it done? It's very self-directed. So what the PLC colleges do is they train our young people to be self-directed learners, to be able to work independently, to know how to research, to analyse material, to do assignments, to upload assignments to portals, to download information from portal sites. All of this is relatively new. As you said yourself, the Leaving Cert is a particular type of learning. Um, It's changed slightly, um, will be changing more in terms of assessment. But for a lot of people, it is very much a repetitive rote learning type of activity. And I suppose college is very different. So the PLC college and apprenticeship programmes marry that very much on the job, independent learning and also a high level of support. So the message today is if you're out there and you're waiting for these results and you're unsure, as Sadie said, and you may be unsure when you get the results next week and you look at your points and maybe you don't get what you want, and I hope you all do, but this is an option. This is open. You're not precluded. You can go this route and look at it and you've just been uh, hearing what Sadie had to say there. I want to take a short break and come back. We're going to turn to adult learners now in a moment as well. That's Leaving Cert students and parents there. We'll talk about adult learners because there's loads of options there as well if you want to ask a question don't forget you can get in touch with us 1850 715 958 if you want to call in or you can whatsapp or text us now on 086 1800 658 we're exploring alternative options post leaving cert for students and mature students as well with the Loudmead education training board all this week on late launch Elmer McMahon and Sadie Ward McDermott are with me Sadie can I come to adults now you, you give a comprehensive um Uh, explanation there of where students should go who are waiting on their exam results at the minute. What about today there are people sitting at home listening to us in the home who may want to go back to work. There may be people in employment who want to upskill or whatever. Or there may be people who want to do some part-time education to add to the skills they have already. What about those people? Yes, Jerry. So LMETB, which is Loudmead Education Training Board, has an array of both part-time and full-time education and training opportunities for adults. So that's for people of any age. So you may, may be from 18 years up to 60 plus, And there's no limit on what you can take on to do. So, for example... This year, we talked about the leaving certificate. We'll have 180 adults who, similarly, next week will be waiting on leaving certificate results. So if you've never done your leaving in your life up to this and you're of any age and you want to go back and do the leaving cert, yes. No problem. 
no problem. We'd be happy to have you. And do so, I need any? Do I need to have done a a, a junior cert or what was the? There was another cert, even an intermediate cert, and group cert. group cert. Do I need any of those? No, you don't, because when adults come to us, they come with with a wealth of life experience. They've been looking after families. They've been looking after homes. They may have been in employment. So what you bring is a wealth of management experience in your life, looking after yourself and your families, and that's all we need. We'll take you from that point on. You need no prior experience. We're not going to test you coming in the door. What we're about is trying to encourage and support you to do the Leaving Cert. And is that a one or two year programme? It's a one year programme. OK, to Leaving Cert. So that's people, if you want to go and do that exam again and get your, your grades there, that's there for you. Now, what about beyond that? Say somebody has a Leaving Cert and has been out of the employment. You mentioned raising a family there. It can be yes. men or women or, yeah. you know, you're out of the space for a while. What about getting back in? Correct. So for many people who may be at home because they're looking after older people in the family, um, maybe, you know, special needs young people in the household that, that you know, didn't allow them maybe to, to go out into the workforce as quickly as they might like. So if you have time on your hands, be that part time or or you've got a full day available, we've got classes for you in all of the major towns. Um, in smaller towns, we would have them on part time basis um, around both Louth and Meath. They're in all different types of subject areas. So say, for example, if you've an interest in, you know, upskilling in the area of caring, if that's something you feel you'd like to, you know, have a career in, we have part-time opportunities available at night time that you can spread out your learning and do that and also look after maybe opportunity or your own commitments during the day. And can I ask you again, does somebody there need educational qualifications from the past? No. As an adult... In all of our courses and programmes, we take p- adults as we find them. We ask our adults when they come in to just tell us what they feel comfortable with, what they're confident in doing and areas they feel not confident at. And most people, when they walk in the door, very nervous, a bit apprehensive, feel they're not fit, feel they lack the confidence. But, but within a month, if you stay with us, you're hooked. And what we find is that when people start with us, they just keep going because what it is, it's an opportunity, yes, to learn something new, but it's also an opportunity to get out of the home or maybe to just have a new experience. Um, it's also a chance to meet new people and you'll see a lot of people and meet a lot of people exactly like yourself, but from different areas of the community. And that widens your friend circle as well, which is also what we're about. Can you help me if I'm somebody that doesn't know how to... I, I want to go to college ultimately, or I want to go to a, a, a place like DKIT, for example, in the northeast here, or, or somewhere like that. Can you get me prepared, you know, to take that on? I, I may have to make a step with yourself. Is that there for me? Absolutely. So regardless of what you come to us with. So for some people, they'll be coming, maybe as you said, Jerry, they might have done the old group certain intercert a hundred years ago, it feels like. But 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 that's fine. And then other people will come to us who maybe did a year at college, didn't work out for them. They left and they went to work and then now they want to go back and try it again. So what we have are courses and programmes available that will allow you, regardless of your circumstance or your experience to date, to Renew your confidence, get the skills you need 
in as short a space of time as is possible. We'll also encourage you and support you to make the applications to the various uh, programmes that you might be interested in or areas that you're interested in pursuing, whether that's a college or whether it's going to do an apprenticeship or a traineeship programme then all of that support is there for you. So you won't be left to your own devices. I'm on social welfare and I want to retrain. I want to qualify in something. I have an ambition to do this, yet I need the financial support because of my personal circumstances. How can you help me? Yes, we work extremely closely with the Department of, of uh, Social Protection. Um, so if there are if there are people um, uh, listening to us today who are in receipt of any type of benefit, whether that's disability benefit, carers benefit, unemployment benefit, um, there are opportunities available to you. You can contact us directly and we will give you that information or you can indeed talk to your um, local um, uh, employment engagement person in your uh, DEASP office um, or you can contact them by phone and they will provide you with all that information. But yes, you can retain your benefits and you can attend part-time or full-time education. So once DEASP are aware of what you're trying to do, they will do nothing but encourage you to do that because it's in, in everybody's interest that you get upskilled. And also, Jerry, if I might just say, whilst we've got opportunities for people who are in um, receipt of social welfare payment, we also have a, a, an array of opportunities for people who are in employment. So a lot of people are in employment and they may have taken jobs that suited their circumstances at a particular point in time. Uh, now those jobs, they might find that, that maybe they feel they could do better for themselves or maybe they feel they've more time on their hands or maybe they'd like an opportunity in their current workplace but maybe they feel they don't have the skills to do that. So maybe they're working on the shop floor or the factory floor and there's an opportunity coming up at just maybe a step up from that. So maybe it's a supervisor level. And what we can do is give you the skills to be able to take that opportunity. And so if you contact us, there are part-time courses available there. You can keep your, your employment and we'll structure in the courses around you. So those supports are there for people in employment. All I'm hearing is the world is your oyster. Just remember that. There's nothing that can't be done for you, no matter what your circumstances. Just before we finish, you wanted to mention employers. Yes, Jerry. I suppose we're, we're uh, hearing a significant amount now just about, you know, the Brexit and, you know, people that are ready, those that are not ready. And what I would say is to just take this opportunity now that we have it, that for small employers out there, you know, or for the single man, uh, you know, operation, if you are at all concerned about your readiness um, for Brexit or what that might bring to you, what I would say is, if you haven't taken an, the opportunities that have, have been available to date, please don't be panicked. Don't be at home there worried or in your business worried. If you contact LMETB, we have courses and programmes available which will help both you as an employer and also your workforce, no matter how small that is, to get the skills that you might need in your employment to be ready. So please don't sit and do nothing. That's not the right thing to do. Contact LMETB 
and we will be able to assist you. Terrific. And this today, I can tell you, is the first in our series of four this week, ahead of the Leaving Cert results issuing next week, and for adult education as well, part-time and full-time on this show. I'm just reminding you that tomorrow we'll be joined by John Halpin. He's the principal of St Oliver's Community College, and with him will be Emma Lochran and Aoife Halpin, who've both gone two different routes into further education after doing the Leaving Cert. So that coming up tomorrow, same time on later lunch. Thank you both for joining me on the show and thank you again thank you Elma for putting this together for us this week. I, I really do appreciate it and looking forward to meeting uh, our next crew tomorrow. And again uh, different on Thursday, uh, we'll be talking about apprenticeships and traineeships and then again on Friday we'll be back to it once more. For the moment it's been really good and encouraging and positive from both of you today. Elma McMahon and Sadie Ward McDermott from the LMETB. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Reminding you tomorrow evening another big night in Europe for Dundalk this time in the Europa League we have the game live from Bratislava yes Dundalk against Sloven Bratislava from 10 past 7 Adrian Tav our man in Slovakia will bring, be uh, bringing us all the action and we'll be having a chat with Adrian on late lunch tomorrow afternoon ahead of the big game and the County Loud Beekeepers Association have been in touch with us to say they're holding a training programme for beginners in late August so we're in August now and it's being held at the Associa- Association's Apiary uh, to give beginners a hands-on experience of honeybees before they join the Association and if you want further information contact the Secretary ibkesec at gmail.com that's ibkesec at gmail.com County Loud Beekeepers look at Louise look what I have look, look I see we, it look what was dropped in you're beaming you've been beaming for the last 10 minutes I have to Go say on. thanks to Susan She's she probably's not hearing this the minute because she was on her way by the station here going for a swim in Aura and she dropped this in for me it's a Kylie Minogue organiser that's from a few years ago that picture isn't it I'd say just a few yeah <laughs> just a few um She's not covered up by a lot there, to be honest with you. I, I don't know what era that was, but There's it was There's a nice hue one. of pink about her. Uh, there is a bit of a hue, <laughs> is right. And a cue, I'd say, as well. Uh, thanks to Susan, who dropped Very that in. Nice she, was, she was down in a charity shop this morning, thought of me, and it broke her. It cost her 50 cent. Oh, my God, almighty Susan, I much appreciate it. I'll be keeping it to keep my notes in for the next while. Jerry says, David and Stamullen, you're dead right about the bottled water. It leaves a stain. It does. Remember I was talking oh, yeah. earlier on about boiling the water and it's cloudy and then in the cup there's a residue in the cup. That's just my impression with it. I've been back on the tap since and it's been absolutely fine. I think they've lost me a bit about the 9th of August. I'll just say it again, Louise, what we're looking for. Is the 9th of August a significant, never mind the year, is the 9th of August a significant date for you in your life? Was, were you born on the 9th of August? Did you get married on the 9th of August? Did anything significant happen to you in your life on the 9th of August? This Friday is the 9th of August, but let's say the 9th of August any year. Does that date ring a bell with you in your life? Were you married, born, did you have a child on that day? The 9th of August, that's what I'm looking for. If that date's significant to you, please tell me, and I will tell you why as the week goes on. It's for me, and trust me, it's it's going to be interesting come Friday, I promise you. 9th of August, is it, is it significant? 1850 Pick up the phone and call now if it is, or you can WhatsApp or text us on 086-1800-658. They were listening to Tracy on our travels. Don't mind the Father Ted caravan in the barn. Just get Trump 
to the edge of the cliffs and you know what to do. <laughs> it says a listener. And another one says, great to hear. Eric it is. Good man, Eric. Good to hear from you. Great to hear there's a tree planting blitz. And that was with one of our earlier guests, Kalua Castle. Yeah. Anthony Gilsonen just asked them to plant as many evergreens as they can for the birds and shelter and to improve the environment. We have indeed, Eric. Thank you for that message. Back to Trump and the Boren. Well, we're going to the States next because we met her on late lunch last year. She's from County Mead. She is the Irish Times Washington correspondent. Her name is Suzanne Lynch. And in the light of two more mass shootings in the States over the last 48 hours, she's with us next on Late Lunch. You really would have to despair when you watch the news the last few days all over the world. It's just fractious in so many places. But an old chestnut has raised its head again. And I'm sorry to put it in those terms, but it is. It's a regular occurrence now in the United States. 31 people lost their lives in two shootings in El Paso and Dayton in the last couple of days. And it's just been horrific for those areas and all the people who've lost loved ones and the people who are hospitalised afterwards. Suzanne Lynch is from County Mead. She joined me in the studio here on Late Lunch last year and she is the Washington correspondent for the Irish Times and she's writing about it today and she's with me on the line. Afternoon or good morning to you, Suzanne. Good morning from here. Good morning. Uh, thank you very much for taking our call today. I really do appreciate it. I was just looking uh, this morning, uh, knowing that you were joining me on the show. And up to the end of July, Suzanne, in uh, the United States, there were there have been, listen to this, 248 mass shootings this year to the end of July. It's over one a day. 979 people shot, 246 killed. It's an epidemic. It is. Look, it's um, an all-too-familiar story what happened here at the weekend. And I think last year when that shooting happened in the school in Florida, that was on Valentine's Day last year, there was a sense that there was a new momentum uh, behind uh, calls to regulate guns. You remember a lot of the students in that school, that Parkland shooting, um, took to the streets. And there were mass protests here in the United States. Here in Washington, there was a huge protest. I covered. I went down to Florida and covered the kind of aftermath of that shooting. And there was a sense in the state of Florida that things had to change. But then what happened, as inevitably happened, was that the months went on, went on, and as the months went on, the issue kind of receded from the front pages, and everyone got back about their daily lives, and things returned to Donald Trump's presidency and the Russia investigation, and people kind of forgot again about gun crime. But I think now again we've been faced with this inevitable story has re-emerged now and we're back to the same old discussion like what are, is America going to do about this issue of gun crime the problem is yesterday Donald Trump uh, gave in a 10 minute address to the nation he was reading from a teleprompter in the White House and he kind of blamed two things he talked about mental illness and he talked about the danger of video games now the obvious rebuttal to that is that lots of countries around the world have issues with mental illness we do in Ireland for example and use video games, but they don't have the level, obviously, of mass shootings. But there's a reluctance, I think, by Republicans, by Donald Trump, to blame guns. They're always looking for another reason, that it's not the gun that kills somebody, it's the person who kills somebody, and then they blame everything else. But obviously that does, just does not add up when you look at the epidemic of gun crime problems they have in this country. I watched... A, sh- a local sheriff, I, and I'm not sure whether it was El Paso or Dayton on the news. And I, I've, I, I, I listened intently to what Trump had to say, and it sounded so wooden and plastic, to be honest mm. with you. But 
there was a sheriff in one of those places and I think he crystallised the whole thing and this is the nub of it. Un, and this is to quote him, he said, unregulated weaponry in a civilian environment is problematic. Doesn't that say it all? Yeah, that was the sheriff up in Dayton and he made quite a, in a very calm way, he said that the, essentially this gunman should not have had the weapons he had. Um, and this is the, the shooting in Ohio. He managed, the, the suspect there who was killed by police, managed to kill nine people within a 30-second period, I think. And because it was in a busy outdoor area at 1 a.m. in the morning, there were a lot of police, armed police patrolling the area anyway, and they, they took him out pretty quickly there. So the police have said if they hadn't, you know, neutralised him, to use the word they use, it would have been a lot, lot worse. This man, see me, was wearing full body armour. He had an assault-style weapon. Um, and I do think, from living in the United States before, I, I kind of felt, well, what's the difference between, you know, weapons, a gun is a gun. But actually, last year I went down to a gun show where people go to buy guns, and I was shocked at the at the weaponry that was available to buy for maybe three or four hundred dollars. Huge, you know, machine gun rifles um, that really only should be used or can be used on the battlefield or more. And here were kind of regular people, families out buying guns like this. So there is maybe a move to kind of distinguish. I don't think America is anywhere near banning guns. That is not going to happen. Most people here believe they have a right to carry weapons. The only thing that's going to happen is that they can regulate it a bit more. So, for example, clamp down on these huge assault-style weapons. Now, Bill Clinton did succeed in banning those weapons in, I think it was 1994, and it was a 10-year period in which they were banned. But then when that expired, um, they were reintroduced and people could go out and buy them again. So the focus now is on background checks. How pe- pe- when people buy weapons, that there should be a full federal background check on them, and secondly, trying to—they're um, calling it a red flag rule—identify people with mental health issues and stop them buying guns. But of course, that is going to be extremely difficult. How do you, you know, how do you regulate that? Um, now, Donald Trump yesterday—it it was interesting—he gave his address to the nation at 10 a.m. Uh, but Three hours before that, he had tweeted about improving background checks. But then when he got on air, he actually made no mention of that. So it was all very vague in terms of what he was saying. So there were suggestions that he was on, on the phone to various Republicans from the White House who were trying to tell him, look, don't say anything too radical here. You know, our supporters still believe in the right to bear arms, so you have to tread carefully here. So um, I don't think there's going to be any huge change here. This red flag issue about trying to prevent people with mental health illnesses procuring weapons that might be as far as they go as they go here i think unfortunately um and as i say that is going to be very very hard to implement in reality i watched a republican on with emily maitlis on Newsnight last night i have to say i i i i, I watch her every night i think she's a terrific journalist and she was nearly in despair talking to this young woman because she deflected every way she could. And, and, and she did put the point that you said there. Mental health issues are the world over. These games are the world over at this stage. But take a look at yourselves, America, how you're out of step with the rest of the world. You know here, Suzanne, yeah. how difficult it is to get a licence for a, a, a twenty two rifle or a shotgun or anything like that. Yeah. It, it's not easy. But surely the message or the penny is going to drop. Will it take? What would happen if some Republicans lost loved ones? or Trump or it got nearer to them do you think that would make a difference or is the NRA lobby just that strong? Well the problem is we don't know if this is going to happen yet but in previous events like this actually gun ownership has gone up after events like this 
because people feel less safe and they go out and buy more guns to protect themselves. That's the reality. The figures suggest now that there are 393 million legally held weapons in America. That's more than the population of America. But what we've seen is within those figures is a bit more complex. Less people, individuals, are owning guns, but more people are owning more guns. So you've got some people who might own five, six, seven, eight guns. Um, and that's, that's the way the trend is going. So among people who support gun ownership, they're buying more guns, whereas generally the mood in America seems to be towards putting more restrictions on guns. But I agree with you that there is a complete denial in this country yep. across the board that they are out of step with the rest of the world. And even Democrats, people like Hillary Clinton, people like Beto O'Rourke, the um, Democratic candidate who is from El Paso, he still believes in the right to own a gun. All he's asking for is that there are more restrictions. So we are in such a long way away from where in Europe we come, come from things. And, and this is not unprecedented. Australia, for example, had a pretty liberal gun ownership law. A lot of similarities with you know, hunting rights and that kind of thing. But they had a huge mass shooting a couple of decades ago. And the public voted and accepted, we're going to get rid of guns. And there's an amnesty people sent in their weapons and the public accepted that in Australia. But there just, just does not seem to be the same level of acceptance in America. There's a real culture here of individualism. It's, you know, it's my right to own a gun. It's my right to be able to protect my family. Uh, and that seems to be in the psyche here in this country to a greater extent than it is in any European country. And it's not just Republicans. It's among a lot of Democrats too. Just one word before you go. Do you feel less safe today in America than you did before what happened the weekend? Yes, because I was in a shopping mall on Saturday, exactly like the shopping mall um, that was that was the site of that tragedy in El Paso. And then I saw coming on my phone that there was another mass shooting. And it, it's terrible. What happens is that you get immune, immune to it. Uh, when there was the Las Vegas shootings last year, when there was the Florida shootings, I went down and I covered that for, for the Irish Times. I went, flew straight to Las Vegas. But now you begin to think, well, is there any point going to cover these? I could nearly write the script of what's going to happen. You go down, you talk to the people, you go to the services, you go to the candles and flowers that are laid out. There's a debate about gun crime. And you know what? Nothing really ever changes. And I just have a sense now that people are getting sick of the of the pattern here. The only thing that has changed is that a lot of blame now has been put on Donald Trump for his um, espousal of white nationalism. Because what is different about this is that the El Paso shooter seemed to be targeting Hispanic citizens and had put this online manifesto on a website just before he started shooting. So there is a little bit of a different debate now. People are calling out the president and some of his rhetoric, saying that he has kind of encouraged and fanned the flames of domestic terrorism. So I think that is a change this time around. And hopefully that change and that pressure will continue and they'll do something because doing nothing is not an option here. Suzanne, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. It's great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Great to talk to you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. And you can read her in the Irish Times every day. Suzanne Lynch, Washington correspondent. She's brilliant from the Royal County talking to us live there from the United States. We think of the people who lost their lives. And come on, Americans, are you really that stupid? It's the guns. It's the guns, it's nothing else. We leave it at that for today and we leave you with an icon of American music and I love him and I love the place and God help those people again. It's Billy Joel, still rock and roll to me. See you to rock and roll tomorrow from half one on Late Lunch. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.